hey, what is going on? Happy Sunday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every game on YouTube and podcasts like you're listening to right now. Always available bright and early the morning after every Reds game. We are presented as always by Betfred Sportsbook. Coming up on today's show, myself and Elliot Rearing discussed Saturday night's Reds game and also the very interesting trade rumor with the Reds possibly being in the Justin Verlander sweepstakes, plus a recap of all the Reds minor league action on Saturday and a preview of Sunday's series finale against the Dodgers. But first, here's what went down at Dodger Stadium on Saturday night. In the bottom of the first, Luke Weaver didn't get any help from the jump as leadoff batter David Peralta reached on an air when Spencer Steer booted a ball at third base. Luke Weaver got the next two batters out, but Max Muncy hit his 26th home run, and that put the Dodgers quickly up 2-0. Weaver, however, got the game into the sixth inning without allowing another run. The Reds' offense couldn't get anything going against the Dodgers' talented, but had been struggling coming in starter Emmett Sheehan as he threw five shutout innings. But the Reds did have a little bit more luck against the Dodger bullpen. Ellie De La Cruz had a leadoff double in the sixth. Then TJ Friedel got on base with an infield single. Matt McLean struck out, but Kevin Newman had a pinch hit RBI sack fly in his first at-bat since July 9th. It was just a short fly ball to the defensive wizard, Jason Hayward, but Ellie Taylor Cruz's speed is an absolute difference maker. He made the play of the plate not even close, and then TJ Friedel wisely took second base on the throw. That ended up being huge as Spencer Steer singled TJ home to tie the game up at two. Joey Votto and Christian Encarnacion Strand both walked to load the bases, but Will Benson pinch hit for Nixon Zell, and he unfortunately struck out to end the inning. Luke Weaver came back out in the bottom of the sixth, and he did retire the first two batters, but then Max Muncy hit a 3-0 pitch out of the park, and that put the Dodgers up 3-2. But overall, an absolutely great outing from Luke Weaver, more than you could have possibly ever hoped for against the Dodgers. Weaver, six innings pitch, just two hits, only one earned run, two walks, two strikeouts. Fernando Cruz and Buck Farmer each pitched scoreless innings in the seventh and the eighth, but the Reds' offense just couldn't get anything else going against the rest of the Dodger bullpen. Reds fall 3-2. Reds now 57-49 on the season. Reds did get some help, though, as the Brewers' pitching got crushed yet again by the Braves in an 11-5 loss, so the Reds remain a half game back in the NL Central. Although, the Cubs, they did win their eighth straight games, eighth straight game, and they have crept to 3.5 back. Reds are also tied with the Phillies for the second in a wildcard spot. Reds and Phillies a half game behind the Giants. Reds and Phillies a half game ahead of the D-backs and Marlins. So five teams for three spots, all within one game of each other, and a very, very crowded in a wildcard race. Well, here's what Reds manager David Bell had to say about the loss on Saturday night, and also an update on Jonathan India, who was scratched from the Reds lineup on Saturday. Two hits and lose it. Gotta be tough. It was. Um, Luke pitched great. Um, you know, the, obviously they have a good lineup, and uh, I mean, two pitches. Even the second one to Muncie was looked like a good pitch. He just put a good swing on it. Um, and their their pitcher was tough. He has a, a really good fastball. 
Um, he mostly used that, and you know we weren't able to get anything going. We had a nice inning. We put it put together a nice inning, tied it. Um, but uh, unfortunate, especially because Luke pitched so well, um, and then our our bullpen kind of held it right there for us and gave gave us a chance. It's gotta be tough for Luke to be frustrated like that after pitching well, one earned run, and but he leaves frustrated and down. That's what the game can give you. Yeah, we'll. we'll We'll take care of that. We'll make sure that he he's feeling good about it. Um, I know that the main thing, the only thing to him is winning the game. But at the same time, like you know, he can definitely build on that. It's really two starts in a row where we've liked his stuff. Much better results tonight than uh, um, you know even last time out. But we like where his stuff was headed last time and tonight. Um, you can't do much better than that. Um, you know, we'll make sure he knows that. Thank you guys. He pitches with this uncanny way of scoring a lot of runs for him. It's just one of those weird nights. It didn't happen this time, except for the, the sixth inning. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. It was uh, it was a, a tough night for scoring, and uh, like I said, their their pitcher has a really special fastball. We were prepared for it, and um, you know we, we were able to get the two runs. Um, you know, if we able to score a couple more right there or even one more maybe it changes the way uh, they use their bullpen um, we gave it a run there in the sixth but uh, they were able to stop it stop it right there and uh, that was pretty much the game sixth inning so you think for Jonathan or something a uh, little bit of um, soreness in the past and it it was increasing a little bit over the last week um, we're hoping it we can just calm it down. Um, but, uh, you know, it's concerning. It's the bottom of, of his foot. Um, he had an MRI tonight. We don't know the results yet from that. So um, hopefully we'll, um, we'll know more tonight, likely, definitely by tomorrow. All right, and here's myself and Elliot Rearing, a.k.a. the Zebra, talking about Saturday night's Reds game and also the Justin Verlander trade rumors. Zebra, Dreamweaver magic, is it dead? <laughs> Many people are asking, uh, it's not dead. It just didn't go the way it was supposed to go. He was supposed to give up seven runs in the first, opposed to just the two. The offense, you know, they thought he had it in the bag with just throwing a scoreless gem through six innings, but great outing from Luke. It keeps, honestly, it keeps, I'm glad, for, I'm happy for him because it keeps him on this roster for a little bit while longer, maybe past the trade deadline, so we'll see. I guess we'll jump right into this question. When are we allowed to be concerned about Ellie? I don't know. You got any thoughts on this? I I feel like I've really exhausted this topic this year. I don't I don't well, I don't mean to be this guy, but respectfully, you're not allowed to be concerned about Ellie. Ellie Ellie with what even his struggles at the plate or or whatever, what he makes up for on defense is good enough alone for him to be in the majors at this point. And I I, I think with rookies, especially how young Ellie De La Cruz is, this type of thing's going to happen. I know it's been bad. He's been truly truly atrocious at the leadoff spot. I think it. There's going to be a time within the next week or so that's going to change. He's going to go back to three or four. But no, I Ellie De La Cruz, don't panic about Ellie De La Cruz. He's a phenomenal defender. I'd argue one of the best defenders in the league already at this point. So the bat will come. He's had three hits in his past three games. Just keep working on it. Keep keep grinding. He had a double today. We're okay. But I will say some of the at-bats for him are ugly. I watch, I mean, it's just like, it's almost some of them are just non-competitive. Anything, any breaking ball towards the later part of the at bats, just not going to get hit. And that's what I'm con- that. If you have a concern, that would be the concern on a small scale, but large scale, no concerns for Ellie De La Cruz. Absolutely none. 
Yeah, I mean, he does still have a 758 OPS. I mean, this is a, a rookie. I mean, that's well above average. Uh, yeah. Tonight, he had a double-doubles, 104.9 off the bat. He had a flyout at 99.6. That last, uh, not the last one, the pop-out against uh, Gratterall was 92.4. So overall, I mean, I, I think he hit the ball pretty hard tonight. Uh, look, I, I, I like him in the leadoff spot. I think you just keep riding that out. I don't know. Uh, let's get into it first. Let's start. Let's start talking about uh, Luke Weaver. Um, I mean, look, I'll start off by this. I, I think that the Reds should still look to be replacing Luke Weaver at some point. Um, we'll get into one of the big rumors that's kind of going around today, and if we think it's it's uh, worthwhile or not here at the end. I do think the Reds should be looking to remove Luke Weaver from the rotation. I do think he still could be a valuable contributor to this team, either as a long man, mop up man, or I even think that. You tell Luke Weaver, hey, we're going to make you be like our fifth or sixth option as a reliever. We're only going to use you for an inning at a time. I think Luke Weaver could potentially up his velocity, um, you know, maybe be a little little more, you know, focused. There's been a lot of starting pitchers that have have, have been cut down to shorter roles that have had some success. So um, I, I still think Luke Weaver would be valuable. I still think he should be removed from the rotation. But this was as good of a start as you possibly could have asked for him against the Los Angeles Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, and as much as as much as I like to play up the shtick, Luke Weaver is objectively bad. I would say if you have to rank the pitchers in the MLB, the starting pitchers in the MLB this season, he's bottom three in all of Major League Baseball. I mean, it's objectively it's it, it just hasn't worked. I don't know, I don't know what the the plan would be. I mean, he was signed to be a reliever, right, Nick? That was the initial plan. Um, he was he was signed to be an option as a starter. Okay. Um, um, if, if everything went well, um be a reliever kind of as both but the reds were the reds did bring him in with the thought of having him start as an option because to your point i do think i do think there is a different mindset that a pitcher has when he comes in knowing all right i'm just going to get a couple outs opposed to i have to i need to go six innings to spare my bullpen right i think there's a lot more weight on the shoulders when you're a starting pitcher and you look at luis sessa just fell under the pressure it didn't work right luis sessa was a very good reliever he was an above-average reliever. You move him to the starting role, failed, crumbled under the pressure. I think Luke Weaver could be a decent role towards, I don't know, I, I still don't want him in a high-leverage bullpen role. But Nick said it earlier, I, I think if you put him in up four runs in the ninth instead of Levi Stout, I love our chances to get out of the game with a win. And I think the bigger issue here is uh, is the Reds need a second left-handed reliever. Yeah. Um, if they had a second left-handed reliever, uh, Luke Weaver doesn't face Max Muncy, I don't think, in the uh, the sixth inning for a third time in the game. I think you bring in a lefty. Max Muncy's a guy who has significant, and I mean significant, splits um, left-right. And you bring him in, and then Luke Weaver pitches five and two-thirds great innings, and, and yeah. you move on. And look, that's not the reason the Reds lost this game. They only scored two runs. You're not going to win a whole lot of games when you score two runs. But, but that, that, I think, is the bigger issue here for the Reds going forward. Luke Weaver has, by the way, here's a stat for you, a stat of the day. Luke Weaver has now given up 20 first-inning runs in his last in his last 10 starts. <laughs> it just, my guy, I mean, there is a magic to it. Like, if, if the Reds were to win tonight, right, I do think, I do think, like, there's a role for him. I just because the just because of the magic alone. I don't know how, I don't know how it would work with Nick Kroll. I don't know what he would factor into the decision to keeping Luke Weaver. 
But at some point, you look at Luke Weaver and you're like, all right, the Reds genuinely don't lose when this guy pitches. And every every statistic, every metric says he's horrible. But the Reds find a way to play competitive baseball when he's on the mound. So I don't know. I don't know if that has value. If you're Nick Crawl, and if it does, you keep him along. If it doesn't, you you ship him. Either way, it's a win-win for the Reds, in my opinion. I don't think Luke Weaver is going to kill this team in the long run. Um, but I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into the trade deadline here a little bit bit later on in the show. Tough night for in in some ways for for the Reds' offense. Two runs on seven hits, whereas the Dodgers had three runs on two hits tonight. Yeah, that that's obviously kind of a little bit of a, a, a bummer as you're trying to look at this uh, uh, this game objectively. Um, like like I mentioned as we we're talking about Ellie Dela Cruz a second ago. I mean, he did have uh, two hard hit balls tonight. Uh, T.J. Friedel had a big spot in this game. I know our 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 leader Trace Fowler pointed out on Twitter about how how uh, Friedel took second base uh, when when Hayward tried to throw home to get Ellie De La Cruz when Ellie scored scored run number one and then Steer drove uh, T.J. Friedel in. So that was a big spot from him. Um, you know, Votto had two walks. C.S. had a really really good at bat in this game. I don't know what you got your real thoughts on the offense tonight. It's bad and. I, I am a little, if there's a worry about this team right now, it's that they're not going to be able to keep up the high offensive production that they had during that, what was it, 30, 40 game stretch. I I think the Reds are going to be okay. I don't think this is worrisome yet, but the Brewers completely dominate us, completely dominate the offense. And now you look at here, they score two runs. I mean, the two runs were great. Like, like you said, the small ball the Reds play is best in baseball, in my opinion. I really, I really, it's it's kept us in games the whole way. It's kept us winning close games the whole way. But I do think Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, guys that have been slumping for quite some time now, T.J. Friedel, these guys have to step up. They have to come back, back to earth eventually. They've been down below earth. They need to come back to earth at some point here. I'm not concerned yet. I'm not concerned yet. But the offense has to be there if we want to win games. Has to. It can't be the it can't be the 2021 Reds or the 20 excuse me the 2020 Reds, where it's just the offense just coasts on the pitching performances and lose lose to the Braves by not scoring a run in the postseason. So I'm not worried yet, Nick. I'm not worried. Yeah, those those last two relievers that the Reds faced, Gratterall uh, uh, and Phillips, man, they're having incredible years. Really, really good relievers. Uh, yeah, they're you know they're pretty much like both Alexis Diaz. So, you know, it's kind of, if if you brought it to Alexis Diaz, as you would expect the Reds to shut them down, just like the Dodgers were able to, uh, um, you know, shut down the Reds today. I don't know. I don't really have a lot of other thoughts this game. I mean, Fernando Cruz, you know, he he had pitched a really good inning, uh, perfect inning, two strikeouts. Buck Farmer did a nice job. Um, Really good night overall from the Reds pitching. Reds pitching, really, I think, in the series has pitched pretty well. Yeah. you know, we were talking seven runs in two games to the the LA Dodgers. That that's pretty solid. You know, and you got a chance to win the series tomorrow. You win the, you win a series in Dodger Stadium. That's a a pretty pretty big deal. Let's just jump right into it. There's the talk around Reds country today. Justin Verlander. There's a rumor Reds are are one of the I think four teams that were in on Justin Verlander. I think one of them was the Rangers. You would have to think that the Rangers are probably not in on Justin Verlander since they got Max Scherzer. Never know. I, I wouldn't say that <laughs> never say never on that front, but the, the rumor for the Reds is Cam Collar will be the, the player that the, the Mets were wanting in a deal. I mulled over this for a while. 
And I think if the Reds could get the same structure of a deal as the the Rangers got, where you'd probably be getting about $30 million back for, for Verlander. So basically most of his salary next year would be paid for, and that would give the Reds flexibility to sign additional people. I don't think you want Justin Verlander to be your big main only spending next year. Yeah, I think I think it could be okay with um, with giving away Collier. As much as I love him, as talented as he is, as much upside as he he brings, I think I'm okay with bringing him. Especially if maybe this offseason you look to replace at least part of Cam Collier's value to your farm system um, by trading Jonathan India for maybe some lower level prospect back. Um, I don't know. What's your thoughts on this one, Zebra? I don't think I don't think it would be worth it. And I'm I'm the first one out of the gate on the trade prospects guy. I'm I don't think wow. prospects, especially when you're that young, especially when you're as young as Cam Collier, a kid, his career really hasn't even started. I'm usually okay with it, but trading for a 40 year old pitcher here for worth 45 million dollars, obviously the Mets would eat I don't know 30 million presumably, right? They'd have to. Nick Crawl's not taking on 25 plus million of Justin Verlander. I don't think it would be worth it. I don't think it would be worth it for this year. If you if you're looking at it in the large scheme of things for next season, maybe, right? But I don't think Justin Verlander makes this team an immediate World Series contender. I think he would be replacing Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver, a, a pitcher who the Reds have won ten of his last eleven starts or something absurd like that. Granted, the runs obviously the ERA would go down in that spot, but the, but at the end of the day, I mean, I don't think Justin Verlander takes the Reds to a World Series this year. So if you're looking at that. I don't do it, but if you're looking for next season and you have a healthy Nick Lodolo, a healthy Hunter Green on top of Graham Ashcraft, Andrew Rabbit, maybe Connor Phillips. I don't know what Connor Phillips' deal will be. I don't know. I, 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 As of right now, I would say don't trade him. I would say do not trade him for Justin Verlander. Okay. All right. Verlander is kind of one of these just weird pitchers where he's still having um, a lot of success late in his career. Still able to get it. I, you'd have to really, I think, do your due diligence on um, his medical and and and, yeah. and how 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 well how healthy you think he can bring. So you would still have him for next year. Next year he's obviously owed forty three million. Obviously we'd be expecting the Mets to cover most of that. Met and, and the reason for that it's not the Reds. Like I think the Rangers would have taken on probably Max Scherzer's full salary. The Mets aren't wanting that. They want a prospect back. Uh, so it, it's not really about spending or not spending. It's about what the Mets want back in return. Yeah, uh, and then Verlander actually has a vesting option for 2025, where 35 million dollars at 42 years old, but he only hits that if he throws 140 innings in 2024. So if Verlander throws 140 innings in 2024, you're probably not as as against the 20 the 2025. Uh, you know, it probably is, it, it works in tandem of being good or terrible. You know, and for what it's worth, I think the Reds fan base would be over the moon about this. I would I would probably be happy about it, right? If Justin Verlander is in a Reds uniform come come August, I'm going to be smiling about it. But I don't think Justin Verlander makes this this team a World Series contender. Nick said it earlier. I think the Reds are I think I think a left-handed reliever helps this team more than anything right now. So, I don't know if you're willing to give away part of your future for a 45-year-old, 40 million dollar player. Could could they be? I would I would say maybe. Right, Nick Crawl has turned over a new leaf. I think the attendance, like Nick Crawl, Nick Crawl said it. The the attendance at Reds games, it's going to help. It's going to help the books, right? It's going to be able to pay for a couple more players. Now I don't know if it's going to get to forty five million dollars, which is what he is owed. But I don't know. I think it could be. It could be fun. You could you could turn me. You could turn me on it. You could sway me. 
on a Hall of Fame pitcher. It's tough. It, this is this is the okay. So like I, Lucas Giolito, and, and there's a big difference between Lucas Giolito because Lucas Giolito is two months. That's it, and he's mm-hmm. gone. Joseph Verlander, there is at least next year. Correct. And you know you obviously you know Justin Verlander, and you're hoping for healthy Hunter Green, healthy Nick Lodolo, and then you just need two more of Ashcraft, Williamson, yep. Abbott, Connor Phillips. I mean that's a lot of pitchers for really just two additional spots. Um, I don't, I don't know, man. Verlander just feels different to me. And I don't know. Maybe I'm 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 drinking into the the Justin Verlander nostalgia here a little too yeah. much. But man, you get into a a first round series, and you're Verlander, Abbott, Hunter Green. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's what sells me on on the idea of. I'd want it. Listen to me. I I I I'd love it. But would I do it right now? No, I don't know if I would. I don't think I would. I don't and I don't know would he be the only guy you give away in that scenario, right? Is it just Cam Collier for Verlander straight up and then they eat the contract? You know, it can't be anything else of substantial value. It can't be like it can't even be like Cam Collier and um Reese Hines. Like no. Yeah. It's got to be almost a one for one or it's uh someone the Reds 85th yeah. best prospect that that's about the the yeah Chucky Robbins there if we you, go that, <laughs> no not Chucky no not Chucky I listen Chucky, Chucky Robinson I mean Matt Matt Davidson and Chucky Robinson right now in AAA are putting up Hall of Fame numbers let let Chucky Robinson cook down there man Brooks Raley <laughs> all right <laughs> realistically okay Nick realistically what is the move you expect the Reds to make? I think they'll add. For, I think they'll add two relievers, two relievers, and I think they'll. Um, I think they'll ship out one of Sinzel, Newman, or India. I think if you were telling me what are the Reds going to do, they're going to get what well, they're going to get two relievers and two different trades or one trade. I don't know. They they could do. They did it before. They got two from the Yankees at, in one swing. Yeah, and then I think they'll ship off one of those other guys for. I don't know, maybe prospects. It's hard to see like Nixon Zell getting a reliever. I mean, it's possible. It just so many of those trades. It's so hard to know what other teams are exactly looking for and how how the trades fit together. Yeah. Um, breaking news: Alex Wallace coming in. Jonathan India had an MRI tonight. It's probably you know what it is. It's probably an MRI for his for his heart. You know, I mean, just the city just broke this guy's spirit, broke his will. Trace Fowler comes in. I mean it. We're going to get to September, and it's going to be day 162 of Trace Bauer just ripping my guy, Jonathan India. So his his spirit, his heart, it's just hurt. His feelings are hurt. I don't think, I think you tweeted it, Nick. I don't think the Reds will trade Jonathan India at the deadline. I don't think Crawl is going to rush to trade a guy that arguably has a ton of value to a majority of the teams in Major League Baseball. I don't think Nick Crawl is going to do that. I think, I think the plan, I think, again, this is your tweet, you said you you would trade him uh, in in the off season for a couple of prospects, get maybe a couple arms for him, and then at the deadline you trade. I don't know who you'd trade. I guess you throw Senzel and Newman and pray somebody wants it. But dealing with heel soreness, okay. I don't know how much I buy into the heel soreness thing, but I do think I do I do think Jonathan Indy is going to make Jonathan Indy is going to be a red come August. So that's my opinion. Yeah, I think it's 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 trending more and more that way. I think it made sense to shop him, but I I just I think probably right now you're not going to get what you 
you either want back, and I do think I'm starting to get concerned that the Reds might need another bat. That's what I was gonna I was gonna ask you that. I, I think we were we were so excited about this this young exciting lineup, but you're kind of looking up and down. Joey Votto has not looked good at all of late. Um, CES has not tore the cover off the ball. No. Um, that's two players right there. And then you also injuries could happen. Um, I, I don't, I don't necessarily want. As much as I haven't given up on Jose Barrero, I don't necessarily want to be rushing Jose Barrero back in the lineup if you have a couple injuries. And then you know Votto just never figures out, or CES just actually looks like a, a normal rookie and not like all these other rookies that have just come up and you know hit the ground running and have been outstanding. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of. Uh, I think that's a I think that's a sleeping I think that's a sleeper move there. I think Jonathan India could maybe get me an outfielder. I don't know what we could get, but I do think there's a chance Jonathan India can get me a a, a mid tier outfielder in the MLB. He can pl- he can be a right handed he can be a right handed bat. Hopefully, right? We need that. Um, but I don't know. I would I would I would agree. I think an outfielder would help this team tremendously, or at least somebody who could fill in at maybe first base, just a, a utility guy. A Kyle, maybe Kyle Farmer. Can we get Kyle Farmer back? Let's bring him back. The fan base hated Kyle Farmer. Let's bring him back. <laughs> I, I think Kevin Newman has better numbers than Kyle Farmer. No, Nick, don't you dare. Nick, don't you dare disrespect Kyle Farmer. <laughs> he was in blindside, Nick. He was in the. He was in blindside. Looking this up. Let's see. Oh, no. Kyle's been on a tear of late. All right. Yeah, baby. Yeah. He's up yeah. to I- He's up to a 99 OPS plus. He's uh he's on fire. This is God's country. That's right, Kyle. Let's go, baby. But th- but does does uh does farmer still have those incredible you know left handed splits like like Newman has this year? I mean that's maybe not out of out of this world out of this world. I is Nick Senzel Nick is Nick Senzel one of the biggest busts that the Reds have had over the past twenty years? I'm trying to think of one. And I think Nick Senzel is the singular biggest bust that that we have had, that we have drafted over the past two decades. When Brandon Larson, is he within the last 20 years? I don't know. I don't remember Brandon Larson. (laughs) I don't know how far away that was. Well, his last year with the Reds was uh, 2004. He was, um, what what pick number was he? He He was the 14th overall pick, so he was a little bit, you know, obviously farther down, but he had a career 50. OPS plus with the red. So Nick Senzel, I the best ability is availability. Nick Senzel never available for his career and can't hit against <laughs> right handed pitching. Except for last Except this, for this year. year. Yeah, I mean Nick Senzel has at least been a valuable piece to this team. I mean, he's not what you were expecting, but the guy's a nine forty four OPS against left handed pitching this year. So it's fair. Um, he's he's found a role and he's he's done very well in that role. I think Nick Senzel I think you have an opportunity to trade Nick Senzel. And um, and and I think I'd probably take it if you get anything back of value this year, and, and it's not really necessarily about this year, as much as Nixon Zell's going to probably start to get next year a little more expensive than than you would want to pay a a guy that's going to be a utility backup player, um, because he was already at over two million in arbitration, uh, just more because of uh, you know some of his pedigree and he had you know some success at certain times, yeah. But I I do think he kind of gets into um, a difficult spot there. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. 
Who do you think? All right, here's a question for you. I was thinking about this the other day. Hunter Green's going to come back. They said the date. Charlie Goldsmith said the date was August 20th. Who do who do we think moves to the bullpen? Because Vladimir Gutierrez is going to come back, right? I think presumably TJ Antone presumably going to come back. Who moves out of the bullpen and who from the starting rotation goes to the bullpen? So I mean we're we're assuming there's no starting pitcher added. Uh, Correct. In this in this scenario, there's no starting pitcher added. I mean Luke Weaver's obviously the first one gone. Yep. I would agree. I think I, I think it's more exciting if we say who's the next one. So let's say. Let's say Hunter Green comes back and um, Connor Phillips gets called up. Then, then yeah. who's the next? That's the more interesting. I think it's pretty obvious. It's Luke Weaver. Um, I think it's obviously it's it's between Lively and Williamson. I actually think I'd be more inclined for Williamson for two reasons. Number one, um, Williamson, you probably are going to get to a point this year where you're going to want to kind of limit his innings. Yeah. And number two, you could use another lefty reliever. Kind of two solves two problems. Ben Lively, hey, Ben, throw as many innings as you can, brother. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? I I think I think it'll be Williamson that moves to the pen. I assume I assume the Reds get one reliever at this deadline. Whether it be right or left would would change that prediction. But right, as of right now, I would think Williamson goes to the pen. I think if Nick Lodolo comes back, Nick, I think there's a chance Nick Lodolo would go to the bullpen as well. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know what, what what would be the merit of that, but I do think him coming off an injury in September would warrant a bullpen spot. I think his stuff's dirty enough to be there, and I. I, I don't. I'm not going to give him a spot over Ashcraft. I'm not going to give him a spot over Green Abbott at this point. I, I mean, I don't know if I give him a spot over Williamson. So he's a guy I think that could could help this bullpen tremendously too. Lefty arm, nasty stuff. Uh, I was for I'm I'm for Lodolo in the bullpen if it gets him back quicker. That that's more. The thing that made it interesting is they moved up the timeline of him to the end of August. I'm like, eh. but I'll say this: this might be a hot take. Oh, I would take Nick Lodolo over any starter in the Reds rotation. That includes Andrew Abbott if he's fully healthy. I mean, I know Abbott's been great, but let's not forget our expectations of Nick Lodolo what they were three months ago. I mean, we we were talking about Nick Lodolo as a future All Star pitcher, and the and the guy had a couple bad starts, got hurt. Oh, Nick, I don't know. I don't think, are you really are you really telling me, Aunt, Nick, Nick Andrew Aunt, Nick Andrew Abbott's game one starter in a playoff game? He's game one starter right now. Yeah, no question about it. But I'm just saying, if you had to, if if I had to project, I'm talking about project, not what have you done. I'm talking okay. project. If you had to tell me Nick Lodolo is going to be fully healthy, I'm not talking like, you know, working through his first couple starts, whatever. You're talking Nick Lodolo is fully healthy, Andrew Abbott's fully healthy. I'm still thinking that Nick Lodolo is going to outpitch Andrew Abbott. Okay. Okay. But I listen, let, go, I agree. I, I agree with you. I think Nick Lodolo, and I, I think based on every, what everybody was saying before the season, I still think majority of the fan base is with you that he's supposed to be the prince that was promised. He's supposed to be our number one guy. Saying that, I don't think there's a scenario off an injury. If he's even if he's healthy next season, if he's healthy next season, he's not taking the ball on opening day. I don't think so. Well, opening day is a different. I don't think it is though. I don't think it is. It's pretty much pretty similar to to game one of the postseason, right? No, no, no. But opening day could be more of a merit earned thing. That that's fine. It doesn't matter who starts opening day and who starts the second game. It matters nothing. 
Like, I think this year they did it more for, I think most people coming to this year had higher expectations for Nick Lodola than Hunter Green. And I think right now it probably feels a little weird to say that, but I think if you rewind the tape, I think you would have a lot of people saying that back in February. I think you're um, right. And I think I was one of those people, by the way. <laughs> I was one of those people. But I think, yeah. the, I think that David Bell started Hunter Green on opening day this year more as a confidence booster, which I'm fine with. I have no problem using opening day as that thing. But, okay, let's move aside that. I definitely take Nick Lodola over Graham Ashcraft. I know Ashcraft's been great his last five starts, but he was really terrible the last ten starts before that. You're right. Nick, Nick Lodola is so much higher of a ceiling. So that's why, I, I don't know, man. Off an injury, off, so we're saying off an injury, we'd agree that it would be an okay move. We'd be okay with Nick, Nick Lodola to the bullpen. If he's healthy, certainly better than Ashcraft. That's what, yeah. that's what we've come to the conclusion here. That's fair. I, de- I definitely have no problem moving to the bullpen if you go out and get Justin Verlander. Yeah. That, re- that really <laughs> makes that in a much easier move because then you have, you have Verlander, Abbott, uh, Green. Yes. All right, let's get you caught up on all the Reds minor league action on Saturday night. The Louisville Bats, they fell 6-3 to Indianapolis. Uh, Noevi Marte, 0 for 2, two walks, did steal his 15th base of the year. Barrera was 0 for 4. Stuart Fairchild did not play. But Levi Stout had a really good start for the Bats. Four innings, just three hits, one run, one walk, four strikeouts. So really encouraging start from Levi Stout as uh, continue hopefully to have him provide some depth for the Reds starting pitching should they need it, or maybe even some bullpen help down the road. Double A, Chattanooga, they won 6-3 over Montgomery. Joe Boyle, really strong outing from him. Five innings, two hits, just one earned run, two walks, and nine strikeouts. Really good start for Joe Boyle. Really talented pitcher who struggles a lot with walks. Only walked two on Saturday night. Blake Dunn continued his unbelievable season this year. Started in uh, Dayton, now up with Chattanooga. He was 3-for-3. He hit his 14th home run, and he stole his 42nd base of the season. Reese Hines was 0 for 4. Hi, A. Dayton Dragons, they won 5-2 over Great Lakes. Chase Petty, three innings pitched, just allowed one run, no walks, and three strikeouts. Edwin Arroyo had a really great night. He was 3 for 4, hit his ninth home run of the year, also doubled and walked. So, really great night for Edwin Arroyo. And then, low A, the Daytona Tortugas, as much talent as that team has, rough one again for the Tortugas. They lost 20-4 to Lakeland. Sal Stewart, the big positive on the night. He had his 10th home run of the year. Victor Costa was also 1-for-3 with a stolen base. His ninth of the season, Hector Rodriguez, 1-for-4 with a double. TJ Antone made another appearance in the Arizona Complex League for the Reds. Unfortunately, didn't go too well. Uh, only got one out. Um, gave up three hits, three runs. Didn't walk anyone, though, and did strike out one batter. Antone scheduled to join the Louisville Bats next week. All right, Reds and Dodgers Sunday at 410. Not only the series finale, but also the season finale against the Dodgers. And the Reds will not only go for the series win, but also the season series win against the Dodgers. For the Dodgers, it'll be starting pitcher right-hander Michael Grove. He's 2-2 with a 6.19 ERA this season. He was the Dodgers' number 19 prospect entering the year. He made his debut back in May 2022, but he's been up and down nine times since then. Grove, however, does have a 3.66 ERA in July, 19 strikeouts and just five walks, and 19 and two-thirds innings pitched. 
For the Reds, it'll be Graham Ashcraft. Graham Ashcraft has been outstanding over his last five starts. He's got a 2.10 ERA and 30 innings pitched. Ashcraft's only career start against the Dodgers came earlier this year, back on June 8th. That was the start that Ashcraft left the game earlier after getting hit by a comebacker on his leg. Gave up three runs over two and two-thirds innings pitched. Not sure how much to make of that since he uh, got got hit on the leg and then still came out and pitched a little bit after that. Ashcraft, one good note, has pitched much better on the road this year. He's got a 4.30 ERA on the road, whereas he has a 6.71 ERA at home. Well, thanks so much for joining us for Chatterbox Reds. If you could just do one favor, one huge favor, please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. You all have been incredible with your support for our podcast and our YouTube show. But if you just take two seconds, leave a five-star review, that stuff really, really helps us out. Well, myself and Trace Fowler will be on Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube around 6.40 on Sunday. We're also going to have special guest Jack McMullen. He is a play-by-play broadcaster for the Indianapolis Indians who wrap up a six-game series with the Louisville Bats on Sunday. Jack also works for Just Baseball, covers Major League Baseball and prospects on a national level. So really excited to hear Jack's thoughts and observations on guys like Noel V. Marte. He saw Connor Phillips pitch this week. And also uh, get his thoughts on Jose Barrero. As always, if you miss our show on YouTube, it will be available in podcast form very early on Monday morning as we are the only Red Show with podcasts always available after every single Reds game. Well, I hope that you have a fantastic Sunday. We will talk again soon. Go Reds.